Today is October 2nd, 2020. We have a presidential election that is tensing up after a tumultuous debate between Trump and Biden. California is forcing diversity in corporate boardrooms. And corporations across America are claiming that now is the time they have to start cutting jobs. Welcome back to Split the Difference, everybody. Welcome to the show. Please let me tell you, this is going to be probably one of the best ones I've made so far. Now, I know I'm only a couple episodes in, but this is seeming like it's going to be a great show today. If you're new to the program, if you're coming here, stopping by, this is the first one that you've listened to, welcome in. Welcome to the show. Glad to have you here. Uh, The purpose of this show is, uh, all in all, to basically help cultivate a place where it's not so divisive, where we're able to look at the left side of the political aisle, the right side of the political aisle, have some fun, understand what's going on on both sides, and then hopefully try to find that truth that's in the middle, right? I am under the impression that not nearly everybody is as crazy as the media and the news tells you that they are. In fact, most people are just pretty normal people, right? Just good, hardworking Americans. So goal here is to Look at the left, look at the right, find that sweet truth in between and have some fun in the meantime, right? So we're going to go ahead and start in on our first story today. Our first story uh, goes along with what we talked about on the last show. It's been it's been a popular news story for the entire week since Tuesday night, and that is the presidential debate. Let me tell you, if you didn't watch it, you're probably one of the lucky ones because it was without a doubt one of the worst presidential debates that I have ever seen. It was arguably one of the worst debates in presidential history. Um, I can say with all honesty and certainty that that debate was absolutely awful. Both sides, right? I don't really see either Trump or Biden getting a lot of points from it. Um, If I could say any, I guess, high level is that Trump probably embarrassed himself a little bit more than Biden did. But we're going to go ahead and look at a couple. I don't even want to call these highlights, maybe lowlights from the presidential debate. Um... We're going to just start right off and take a look at some of them now. Are you willing tonight to condemn white supremacists and militia groups and to say that they need to stand down and not add to the violence in a number of these cities, as we saw in Kenosha and as we've seen in Portland. Sure, Are you I'm prepared to, to do specifically that, do it? Well, I, go would ahead, say, I would say almost everything I see is from the left wing, not from the right so wing. So what, what, what are you saying? I'm, I'm willing to do anything. I want to see well, peace. Then do it, sir. Say I'm, it. Do it. Say it. Do you want to call them? What do you want to call them? Give me a name. Give me a white name. White supremacists and right boys. Who would you like me to condemn? White and right boys. Stand back and stand by, but I'll tell you what, I'll tell you what, somebody's got to do something about Antifa and the left, because this is not a right-wing problem. This is a left-wing problem. This is a left-wing problem. The question is, the question is, listen, who is on your list, Joe? This Who's is on your so list? Right. Gentlemen, I think this we've is ended so this. unprecedented. We have ended this segment. Wait yeah. a minute. You get the final word, Mr. Well, President. it's hard to get any word in with this clown. Excuse me. This, hey, hey this let me person. just say to you. No, no, no. I'm no. Mr. President. Three and I'm a half Mr. Mi- so you see there at the end, Joe Biden calls him a clown. Uh, the media storm, basically, that was pretty much the entire debate, right? The entire debate was them interrupting each other, uh, not communicating in any type of coherent way, just bickering back and forth like an old married couple. It was not a good sight. 
Honestly, it was embarrassing on the world stage. Like, if I was watching that from Australia or the UK or France or from anywhere outside of the United States, I'd be looking at that and being like, man, I am glad that that is not my country. So, embarrassing to say the least. Um, But, although it didn't do any favors for either of them, it's pretty obvious that Trump, although he normally always gets the worst attention from the media, he is definitely receiving the brunt of what's happening right now. Um, is or at least a, a brunt of the negative feedback that's going on right now. I was very much looking forward to hearing about kind of different policy from either of them, how they were going to answer questions, how they were going to attack specific problems, because, I mean, we do have a lot of problems in America, just like every other country. And the purpose of those debates is hopefully to have a more somewhat longer format place for both sides of the aisle to get to discuss and to debate the solutions to the difficult problems that we have and you know propose their as the presidential nominees their solutions to the problems that we have well that didn't really happen it was a lot of partisan going back and forth bickering honestly just awful but the biggest story that has come out of that this week i'm sure many of you seen all over social media is Trump, in the beginning of that video, the Trump uh, refusing to openly denounce white supremacy, right? So this is something that I just like, I can't wrap my mind around. I'm not sure. I can't understand like why, why didn't it, it seems like such an easy thing. Like Chris Wallace just point blank asks him, do you, what do you think? Or do you, can, will you denounce white supremacy? And Trump's response to that was sure. Sure? I just don't, like, Chris Wallace asks him a question. This is, this is a layup, okay? This is a, like, I mean, this is a change up right down the middle, okay? This is a a wide open pass across the middle of the field. Don't like the sports analogies? Fine, we'll switch to maybe, how's art? This was a color within the lines painting, all right? Like, blows my mind. I don't understand. All he has to do is say, I outright and forthwith from here on, it is my opinion, white supremacy is horrible. I abhor it. It's terrible. I want nothing to do with white supremacy. I don't white. I don't want white supremacists following or supporting me. I want nothing to do with white supremacists at all. I, I, I don't like any of the ideology. I think that it's terrible. They are a hate group. Simple. Easy. I, not controversial. I don't understand why he won't do it. There's been there have been so many times where people have asked Donald Trump to condemn white supremacy and it always ends up going in this exact same way. He's like, "Sure. Yeah, I'll condemn white supremacy." That's not the proper answer for that. It is so easy to just be like, "White supremacy is horrendous. I don't support it. I don't support anybody that does support white supremacy. I want nothing to do with it." That is a clear answer. There would be no debating back and forth right now. This wouldn't even be a news story if Donald Trump would have said something like that. I just don't, like, I don't get it. It blows my mind. But the amount, for me, the thing that has blown my mind more than anything has been the amount of just mental gymnastics that people on the right side of the aisle have been doing over the past week to try and defend Trump's answer here, right? The amount of stuff that the right side of the aisle has been saying to defend Trump, well, he always condemns white supremacy. You know, he, he they're call, they've been calling him racist for, for a long time, but he's not racist. He doesn't say anything racist. I don't understand how in the world people could possibly misconstrue what he said is racist. 
If someone walks up to you and asks you a question like, is white supremacy bad? And your answer is, sure. Doesn't seem to me like you're all that passionate about condemning white supremacy. Like, this is the same problem that he ran into with the Charlottesville stuff too, right? Like, his condemnation is not really a condemnation. It's more of like, yeah, I guess that's bad. Like, I would say the exact same thing about, I don't, I don't, Austin, did you like that burger from Red Robin? Mm, sure. I don't know. Red Robin was just a random restaurant that I chose, but you get my point. You would say sure. And responding to a question that means literally nothing to you. If it's a question about, you know, something that you're extremely impassioned about or something that is, uh, it means a lot to you, then you're going to have a much more, you know, you're gonna have an answer that <laughs> makes a lot more sense and has a lot more passion behind it. Right. Um, it wasn't all Trump, though. As much as you can sit here and bag on Trump, there you saw on that clip, that short clip that I showed you, uh, Biden told him to shut up at one point. Biden called Donald Trump a clown at another point. It's just like the entire show, the entire debate was just a total joke and gives you very little. I mean, in terms of I'm sitting here trying to make political commentary right now, gave me very little to talk about. Um, I honestly am just under, I've, under the opinion now that uh, the next for the next debate, I either want one of two things. One, I think they need to just go ahead, go to an Applebee's parking lot, hop out of the car, beat each other up until one of them has a knee that gives out, and we'll just call it over, right? No more debates, don't need to. Either that, or I want Tyler Perry and the character Medea to be, uh, to be moderating instead of Chris Wallace or whoever <laughs> the next moderator is going to be. Um, all in all, I say that we save these ourselves the embarrassment. Don't even worry about having another debate at this point. It's just awful. I, I know the Trump team is, or the Biden team is pushing to have the, the next debate canceled. I kind of saw that coming. Most people did. Donald Trump, I think is, doesn't want to change the rules. Obviously he doesn't want to, cause he just bullied Biden the entire time. But anyways, not, not a honestly kind of embarrassing for the entire country. I'm pushing for either the Applebee's parking lot or Medea to moderate. I'd watch it then. All right, moving on to the second story. So the next one comes out of sunny California, the beautiful state, um, one of the largest states in the union, beautiful weather, beautiful people, tons of fun. This story is uh, kind of a big story that not a lot of people are talking about. In fact, it's really only kind of the right-wing sites that have picked up this story and kind of run with it a little bit. But Governor Gavin Newsom on Wednesday, signed into law a bill that would require California-based or California-headquartered corporations to have sitting members on their board that are racial or sexual minorities. So the idea, it was drafted and put together by one of the assemblymen, uh, Chris Holden, who is a Democrat. Um, and he came out and said, a quote from him is, the new law represents a big step forward for racial equality. While some corporations were already leading the way to combat implicit bias, now, all of California's corporate boards will better reflect the diversity of our state. This is a win-win as ethnically diverse boards have shown to outperform those who lack diversity. So the measure basically requires uh, at least two directors by the end of 2020 on boards with four to nine directors and three directors on the board for uh, nine or more directors that are already sitting on the board. So firms that don't uh, comply will initially face a fine of $100,000 and then violations after that uh, will be, I think, three hundred thousand dollars for for um, not complying with the with the 
with a law that's put in. So qualifications for the minority board members would be that they would self-identify, and this is out of the bill, black, Latino, Asian, Pacific Islander, Native American, Native Hawaiian, or Alaskan Native, or as gay, lesbian, bisexual, or transgender. So, uh, obviously this is going to have two starkly different opinions depending on which side you're on. If you're on, uh, the left side of the aisle, basically what the left is saying is that this is a much needed step in the right direction. A lot of the left is lauding this as like the first big, uh, civil rights type bill that has come out in a very, very long time since the 1960s. Um, and that California is one of the most diverse states in the country, yet they don't have very diverse uh, boards of directors for their corporations. So um, only 10% of the boards have a Latina director and only 16% have a black director. When uh, I think it's something, it was something close to 40% of the, of the state is Latino or of Latino descent. And uh, they have, I'm not sure what the black population is, but the black population, you know, needless to say is I think higher than 16%. So um, a, a lot of what, people are arguing on the left is that there needs to be more diversity in the, in the large corporate boardrooms. Uh, it doesn't need to be just an old white male, um, type of, I guess, atmosphere. They also are making the argument, which, uh, in numerous studies have actually shown that, um, more diversity on a board of directors or more diversity within a company normally does lead to better, you know, I guess better results for the company as a whole, or at least more productive ideas. Uh, there's, it's difficult to measure it, but there have been a couple studies that have come out and shown that it does help to have more diversity uh, within your company, especially within the company's leadership structure. So, um, supporters for the bill argue that this isn't something that uh, has proven that will just fix itself over time, but it's something that needs to be forced through regulation, much in the same way that uh, in the Southeast, due to Jim Crow laws or the Jim Crow laws, they didn't fix themselves, right? Like there were still black people not allowed to go and eat at certain places or go to go to certain bathrooms or sit on certain places within a public transportation, right? That wasn't something that was just fixing, fixing itself. So the government had to come in, they had to mandate regulations, and they had to send in the National Guard in order to, you know, desegregate schools or to make sure that people weren't... Uh, still complying by Jim Crow laws, things after they were made illegal. So on the other side of the aisle, um, the Republican or the right side of the aisle is looking at it and saying that this is going to cause multiple problems. So one of the first things that it's going to cause is they say that there will be people that were put on boards that are not based on merit, but based upon their skin or sexual identity. That's a very real fear, right? I mean, there's without a doubt going to be times where if they're having to fill a mandate, they need to put someone on the board that is not qualified. Always confuses me though, because nepotism is still allowed or in uh, and, and nepotism being, being able to put someone from your family on a board or being able to put whoever you want on a board. You may be friends with that person. There's no laws against that, but that happens all the time. So there's people that are obviously put on boards, not based upon merit. Either way, I do see that point. There's going to be, if you're having to fill a quota for diversity and you just have to put a black person or a Latino person or a, a transgender person on the board, then you may end up because there's not that many people that are uh, black or Latino or some type of minority, then you're going to have to just grab whoever and put them on the board. 
Uh, second thing that they say is that there's actually not enough data to properly track whether or not this can be done. This, I think, is probably one of maybe the more effective arguments that the right has. Um, there isn't a ton of data behind it because within the bill, it actually says that they would have to self-identify, which is a little bit tricky, right? Because you don't, uh, when, when it comes to self-identity, you can choose not to self-identify. Uh, it also is difficult to go to people and start asking them what their race is or what uh, you can choose not to tell what your race is, especially if you're going to apply at a company. So Many are saying that the data just isn't there. It would be incredibly difficult for the government of California to be able to actually track this. It's something that would uh, kind of get a little more, get a little iffy, which I will talk a little bit more about this point here in a minute as well. They also cite Norway as a country that has tried this and it hasn't made much of a difference. So in Norway, uh, they mandated a, a while ago, I don't know exactly how many years ago, but it was a good, good while ago. Um, for fem there has to be females on the boards of directors within a company. And it hasn't made a ton of difference in terms of getting more women on the boards. I think that there was an increase in having women on the board, but moreover, it hasn't made nearly as much of a difference because from what they've noticed, uh, women have it, typically choose to go their own path as opposed to getting up into the board of directors level or wanting to pursue a position on the board of directors. It's just easier for some reason to convince men or to have men that get to that, um, get to that level. There could be plenty of reasons behind that. I'm not going to get into all the different reasons as to why that could be, but a lot of the people on the right side of the aisle cite Norway as a almost like failed attempt at this happening. So um, my question is, and what we do on this podcast is try to figure out where's the middle, right? I'm, it kind of seems like both sides have some truth. It is absolutely true that there is a gigantic lack of diversity, especially at the top of large corporations. If you're looking at boards of directors and C-suites, there is an an absolute glut of white people there, right? There are tons of white men, especially, but there's not nearly as many women, not nearly as many mi racial minorities, sexual minorities. It just is not the case. It's an old boys club for the most part on a lot of corporate boards. Now, that's not to say it's that way for every corporate board, but the left absolutely has a point. There needs to be more diversity and more diversity really would be beneficial to the company. The right also has a point as well, though. Forcing companies to do that could bring people in that are not getting onto the boards based upon merit, but getting there on based upon the color of their skin. This has been a huge argument against um, affirmative action as well. You see, you have seen in multiple cases uh, where black or uh, black or Latino or uh, what different people, I guess more minorities were getting into colleges, even though their SAT or ACT scores weren't as high. Um, I don't know that there's a ton of data to back that up. I mean, I, obviously it does happen. Affirmative action is there for a reason. Um, but it's because you see that there is a lack of diversity and it's like, wait a second. Well, this is, this is not congruous with what we know the demographics of our country to look like. And especially the demographics of the people that we serve. So why is it that there's such a huge lack of diversity? So, um, my, the, the middle ground is then, what can you do? What what can be done in order to be able to kind of bridge this gap without mandating and forcing corporate forcing diversity on corporations, but at the same time pushing for more diversity. So, 
Uh, there's actually, uh, within this past year or so, the Securities and Exchange Commission, the SEC, which is head over, um, basically it's the governing governing type body over um, securities that are exchanged within the United States, uh, recently passed a law mandating that companies report on the diversity within their companies and within their boards. Now, the rules that they've set forth are pretty lax for the most part. A lot of it has to do with self-identity as well. But what if... You know, you require companies to be transparent. There's nothing wrong with being transparent. Uh, You're not forcing the companies to hire people and you're not forcing the companies to fire people. But I think that just about everyone would be happier with having much more transparency into the large corporations that serve us our, that we buy their services each and every day. Um, My thought is, and this is obviously much more opinion, but my thought is what's wrong with requiring companies to tell what their demographic layout of their company is. You obviously don't have to go down to each individual department and you don't have to give away names and social security numbers, but you can say, yeah, our company is 20% black, you know, 40% white and, you know, another, you know, X percent here, X percent there. There's nothing wrong with that. And then we, as Americans, as we are purchasing their products can decide, you know what? I don't know if I want to support that company because they're 98% white and uh, the way that they serve their customers doesn't seem to be reflective of the demographic demographics the way they serve their customers, right? Or it may not matter to you at all and you choose to buy from whatever companies you want, right? At the end of the day, you can kind of let the free market choose what it is that's going to happen. So the, re- I, the reason why I kind of feel that way is because I don't like the idea of a government forcing a company to act or to do a certain way unless what that company is doing is uh, immediately destructive, right? So I think there's a huge argument for the civil rights, the Jim Crow, the Civil Rights Act in 64, the Jim Crow, like getting rid of Jim Crow laws absolutely makes sense. But forcing companies to hire people is different than, you know, companies coming in and refusing to serve people based upon the color of their skin. Um, it's obviously terrible if a company refuses to hire someone for the, for the color of their skin, but forcing them to hire talent is actually a little bit of a different story. So I would much rather us as the American people be able to say, we are a country that likes to see diversity. We enjoy to see diversity because it helps the products that you're pushing. It makes me feel like the company cares for the community that they're involved in and the community that they serve. So I'm going to buy from companies that are more diverse. I think that's a great idea. There's nothing wrong with more transparency. I'd prefer to see more transparency into the corporations that we see. So um, that's a little bit on the left, a little bit on the right side of the aisle there. there when it comes down to it, uh, this is California is a much, much more left-leaning state, obviously. So them kind of pushing more diversity laws in that way is pretty much par for the course with what California normally does. Um I will say there have been a lot of companies that have been leaving California because of heavy taxes and because of laws like this. And, you know, you can take that for what it is, but I prefer to see more diversity on boards. It's just figuring out the best way to be able to do it. You know, there's going to be, there's going to be nuanced ways to do it and there's going to be extreme ways to do it on either side. I think the key as usual is to try and find that middle ground. So with that being said, let's go ahead and move on to story three. The last story is going to be a little, I guess, a bit quicker. Um, It's actually around American Airlines. saw a couple articles about American Airlines, uh, United Airways, and uh, Disney all coming out and saying that they're going to have to cut uh, tens of thousands of jobs across the country. So 
American and United both said that they're going to have to lay off about 32,000 jobs unless the government gives them more money for relief. That is actually what they're saying. They need more money from the government for relief or they're going to lay off or, or we're threatening to lay off all of these people that are working for us. Disney says that they're going to need to cut 28,000 jobs due to shutdowns in California and other parts of the country, but specifically Disneyland in California. So the question comes down to this. Is the government supposed to bail businesses out? We saw government bail businesses out in 2008. We also saw them do it again earlier this year in the CARES Act. They gave billions and billions of dollars to large corporations, airways, and airlines were one of the large groups that got a lot of the government bailout. So it's the question again is asked, should the government be giving billions and billions of dollars to these large corporations? Personally, from what I can see said about this from the left side of the aisle and the right side of the aisle, I think this is something that they're not, people aren't super split on. It's something that the politicians are very split on. There seems to be a gap between what the politicians are doing and legislating and what a lot of people, normal citizens, actually think. I would be very hard-pressed to find somebody that is like, I really love the government constantly bailing out large corporations. I think the government should just go ahead and bankroll most of the large corporations every time that a bank fails. Just give them billions of dollars. Every time the airlines fail, give them billions of dollars. Cruise ships, billions. Doesn't matter what it is. Go ahead. Just give them a whole bunch of money. Give them our tax dollars. That's what I think the government needs to do. I don't really think this is a super partisan issue. Both the left and the right agree. I don't like seeing my tax money given to large corporations that really weren't spending money very responsibly. You saw that in 2008. There were a ton of people that were furious that Congress was giving all this money to all these extremely wealthy banks, especially when you see how much money these banks are making and how much money the people at the top of these banks are making. So there seems to be a disconnect then. Why is it that congressmen and women and regular citizens disagree so much on this? It is almost like there's this incentive that all of these congressmen and women have to give a lot of money to large corporations. I wonder what that incentive could possibly be outside of a lot of these corporations are probably bankrolling congressmen and women. This gets into a lot of what I talked about on the last podcast. Um, and I do, I think that the vast majority of the country realizes there's a lot of corruption in Washington, D.C. Nobody can hide that. But when you see congressmen and women, the biggest thing that they're debating right now is not necessarily if they should give money to large corporations, but how much money they should give to large corporations. That's a little ridiculous. Like, large, large corporations got the same amount of money out of the CARES Act that individual taxpayers did. Now, personally, now again, this is just my opinion, I don't like the government handing out money to people uh, on a willy-nilly basis as it is. I understand the coronavirus is a much, much different story, but um, I would prefer the government not to bail out citizens and not to bail out corporations. Just my personal take on that. But if the government is going to send out checks and going to try and float the economy along using the Federal Reserve, I would prefer for that money to go into the individual taxpayers' pockets. I would not rather that money go into United Airlines or Delta or uh, Bank of America. I don't care what the large corporation is. 
I'm not bailing Walmart out. All right. If I'm in a hard place, Walmart's not bailing me out. I'm not, I have no, there's no chance that any of these large businesses are going to just come out of nowhere and be like, you know what? The United States is going through a pretty tough time right now with the coronavirus pandemic. We're just going to start giving away all of our services for free. That's not going to happen. Okay. So I don't think the government should be bailing out large corporations. If they're going to be giving money out, I would much rather it be going to taxpayers who can then turn around and decide how, how it is that they want to spend that money. If that corporation that needs that money that bad uh, wants to be able to attract those customers and they're going to have to step up their service offerings and they're going to have to step up the things they're doing to be able to get my business. Um, so a little bit of a hot take there, I guess, but when it comes down to it, I don't think it's super controversial at a, just from an everyday person to be looking at it and say, no, I don't want the government to give 50 or 60 or $100 billion to airlines right now. They're the ones that weren't managing their money super well a couple of years ago. They don't deserve my taxpayer money now. I'd rather you give taxpayers money to the you know, mom and pop restaurant down the street that's been struggling through the entirety of the pandemic. So that's going to be all for our stories today. We're going to go in and end something on my favorite part of the show, which is something that made me smile. This one actually comes from a good buddy of mine. Had this idea, um, came by my house to uh, pick up a, a sander that I borrowed from him earlier in the week. Uh, shout out to him. He knows who he is. Uh, and he had the idea, the bright idea, to post on Facebook that he would be willing to, at cost, build desks for kids at home that don't have them. I thought that this was a fantastic idea. And I actually looked it up and I found a couple of different articles where people, you know, have had the ideas to do this. So he basically decided that he was going to go on Facebook, make a post saying, I have the God-given ability to be able to do woodworking. I love it. I enjoy it. I want to do something that's going to help out the community. So he decided to go ahead and start building desks. He put a, put a little GoFundMe together and said, if you want to offer money to be able to help kids get desks, you can send that money here. And I think that he talked to a couple teachers and talked to people, talked around to families and, you know, uh, kids, parents of kids that may need desks. And he's building desks for people to put in their homes for kids to go to be able to uh, use for school. So that honestly just made me smile. I thought it was a wonderful story. It's a good I good way to be for like a, I guess a good story of somebody using the gifts and the talents and the abilities that they have to be able to help the community that they're in. And it's something that all of us have the opportunity to do. So get out there. I want to encourage everybody if you can, get involved in your community. Try and help people out as much as you can. If there's kids that are in need or if there's families that are in need, especially in these times right now that are just unprecedented, as everyone likes to say, get out and help your community as much as you can. So that'll be it. That's it for Split the Difference podcast. Thank you for tuning in with me on this beautiful Friday. Looking forward to a nice weekend. Uh, please find me on Instagram at Split the Difference podcast. Find me on YouTube at Split the Difference Give me a like, drop me a comment. Um, if the, if you have a good, inspiring story that made you smile this week or in the next coming week, send it over to me. I'd love to hear it. Maybe it'll get included on the podcast next time around. Appreciate you. This is Austin Taylor with Split the Difference. Thank you.